you are listening to the Discovery City Church Sermon Podcast. To learn more about us, including our location and service times, please visit us at discoverycitychurch.com. We hope this sermon will encourage and build your faith as you pursue God, community, and influence within your world. And now, the message from our guest pastor from Bellevue Baptist Church in Paducah, Kentucky, Brother Mike Nolan. Well, good morning. We uh, have a good fellowship in Kentucky there where we serve, where we work together and go to church, and our folks just like being together, so that's a good thing. If you got your Bible, I want you to find John 3. First book of the New Testament is Matthew, and then Mark, and then Luke, and then John. Find John chapter 3. We're going to read there in just a minute. Thank you, Caleb, for the invitation to share this morning. And my desire is to honor the Lord Jesus and uh, brag on Him. God's good. And all the time. And I'm thankful we have the privilege every time we get an opportunity just to brag on Him. He's worthy of our praise. Thank you guys and girls for leading in the worship. And I'm telling you, it's just good to be a child of the King in a free country. When you go overseas and you find out that people aren't just as free to do that, it's just good to be at home in America and just be able to share uh, the gospel. So I want to do that this morning from John chapter 3. I'm going to ask you to stand up one more time. We're going to read the first eight verses. John chapter 3, verse 1. Are you there? Say, yep. Okay. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. And said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit, <clears throat> he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it will, or it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in a world that has no absolute truths, it seems like, that we hold in our hand and we've read today from the one source of absolute truth in the universe, and that is the written and the living Word of God. So speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Open our hearts, open our minds, help us to see and to hear what you tell us, and then help us to say yes to what you want us to do in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Be seated, okay? I grew up in the 60s and early 70s. I know I'm so young it's hard to believe that. But I grew up in the radical generation. I grew up in a, in a culture of hippies and yippies and all that stuff. Uh, I remember when I was a teenager, one of the things I did in our, our youth group, we had three guys, me and two other guys in our youth group, our pastor took us in, let's see, 1970, I think it was, and we went to West Palm Beach, Florida, and we were a part of the, listen to this, of the West Palm Beach International Rock Festival. I mean, we went down there, Rolling Stones and Mick Jagger were there, Janis Joplin, Johnny Winter. I mean, some of these names you may not know. I'm telling you, I saw all of them. 
I'm telling you, the whole crew, 50,000 hippies in that uh, West Palm Beach International racetrack, they'd given them permission to just go in there Thanksgiving weekend that year and just crash and just be there, camp out, do whatever hippies did back then, and I'll let you figure that out. And just, uh, oh, man, yeah, you know. By the way, you know why they always saw, walk up to you and say, hey, what's happening? They don't know. But anyway, we'd go in there, and we just we just had four days with the rock culture, the hippie culture. But what we did was we handed out tracks, and we did the gospel things with the, the, the people, and they were very receptive. Didn't see a lot of uh, terrible things. Saw a little bit of nudity around, you know, people doing their thing. But I'm telling you, it was a very radical time, not just at that rock festival, but in America. I mean, if you read, if you know anything at all about the hippie culture, I mean, they're a bunch of strange people. And I grew up in that era. Of course, I'm not strange, but um, that's, that's up for debate, you know. But I grew up in that culture, and, and we just see all kinds of stuff. I learned to play the guitar in, in, you know, in that, in that era, in the ninth grade. And I, I learned a lot of stuff, but you, but you just see all kinds of stuff. There's a few people on our team this week who grew up in that era and they know exactly what I'm talking about. They can get up here and tell you stories that I probably never heard of. But, you know, there's just a time in our nation was, you know, the, 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 the Vietnam War was going on and, and there was a lot of protests. There were riots in the streets. There was the black white thing. There was the cultural generational mess. It was just, it was just a crazy time in our world. Y'all nod your head, do like this. And so, you know, one of the things that I came out of that with was a real, uh, eye opening, uh, uh, observation of what a radical is. I mean, these people are radical. I mean, they're just crazy. I mean, they just all kind of stuff, which whatever, you know, free love, free sex, all that stuff was going on in those 60s and in the early 70s. And of course, now we're, you know, we sowed the wind. Now we're reaping the whirlwind in the in 2000 and, 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 and beyond. But what I want you to think about is that we're radical because you know what? If we, you know what a radical is today, by the way, it's not some dude out here doing a protest. I'll tell you what a radical is. A radical is somebody that believes the Bible. That's right. A radical is somebody today that is a man who marries a woman. I mean, think about that. A radical day really is somebody who, who believes life begins at conception. Somebody asked me here a while back, said, how many grandchildren do you have? I said, I have 12. They said, really? Where do they live? I said, well, six of them live here on earth, six of them live in heaven. I said, what? Yeah, three of my daughters have had, what do you call it? A miscarriage. One had a miscarriage at four months. One had a miscarriage at four months. Another one. And then one had a miscarriage with twins. If you believe, listen, if you believe this book, you believe life begins at conception, which I do, then I have six grandchildren in heaven. I haven't seen them yet. I'm looking forward to meeting them. And I have six here that are on the earth that we get to spoil and send them back home to mom and daddy, you know. But you see, that's, that's radical thinking because the world wants us to believe differently. The world wants us to believe differently about this book. The world wants us to believe differently about marriage. Aren't they pushing it down our throat? I mean, you know, a man and a woman now, that's an oddity anymore, it seems like. That's radical. You know what's a radical? A radical is somebody who believes absolute truth. I believe there's black and there's white. I'm not talking about racial. I'm talking about truth. There's, there's positive and there's negative. I believe that God draws a line. And it's not just, you know, whatever, you, you know, so the, the way it is today in our postmodern, post-Christian world is that if you believe this, it might be wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me. But if in this Bible tells us what's right and what's wrong, let me ask you a question. You can answer this. Talk to me a little bit here. What's one plus one? Are you sure? How do you know that? 
You studied it. You were taught it. But guess what? That's the truth. The one plus one is two. It's always going to be two. One plus one is never going to be three. That's, ra that's radical, but that's absolute truth. Y'all with me? Radical. I want you to think about this story we just read about a guy named Nicodemus. He was the smartest guy around. He was a, he was a religious zealot. He was a radical in his own right, in his own era about the Old Testament laws and about religion and the Jewish way of doing things and the sect that he was in. But he was, he was, but I want you to think about this. Something happened to him. And this is what I want you to consider today. Radical regeneration. So I want to mention three things. I'm going to try to do it real fast because this crowd I'm with, they're always hungry, okay? Radical regeneration. In other words, I believe this. I believe that this Bible is true. Now this means amen, okay? And I believe that because it's true, we can understand some things from it that will help us to know what truth is. And, and in turn, we may be labeled radical, but it's in the Bible. Here's number one. Write this down if you want to write it down. There's maybe a note on the screen. I believe, first of all, and I want you to think about with me, the awesome nature of rebirth. The awesome nature of rebirth. Now, we know what birth is like. I mean, how many of y'all were born? Some of y'all hadn't figured it out yet. Okay, everybody. I've met a few. I wondered if they were hatched, you know. But most people are born. And in fact, we all are. And, and physical birth is a miracle. I mean, when you have, when you have the privilege, I, I have four married daughters because I didn't want five, but I have four married daughters and they, and just to watch them to be birthed in this world, it's a miracle. If you're a parent, say amen. It's a miracle. And then we've have six grandchildren here on earth and I was there at every one of them. We watched them be born in the, it's a miracle. Physical birth is a miracle of God. Somebody help me here. But that's not what I kind of talking about here. This awesome, uh, nature of rebirth is like this. L look at verse, look at verse three. Jesus said, very last saying, they said the man be born again. So, so what I want you to think about here, trans transferring your thinking is not just physical birth, but, but Jesus is talking about not physical. He's talking about a spiritual birth born again. And Nicodemus was confused. And we see that here along the way, but there's the, there's this idea of the miracle of the womb. Just like, a, just like a woman will deliver physically from her bowels, if you will, a baby. And that's a miracle. The Bible teaches us in 1 Peter 1 that we're born again by the Word of God. And so Nicod Jesus is telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. There's the miracle of the womb. And, and so, so what I want you to think about here as we roll through this real quick is the idea of physical birth versus what? spiritual birth everybody on the planet said physical birth right i mean almost eight billion i don't even know what that's like seven seven billion plus whatever I, i've seen a lot of them but not all of them and i'm telling you there's a lot of people out there and uh, all you gotta do is go to ut football game there's 105,000 right there screaming crazy but I'm saying there's people everywhere, and we all have experienced the physical birth, but N Jesus is trying to, to hammer home to help this religious guy think about spiritual birth. So there's this miracle of the womb, but then he talks about the water. See what he said there in verse, where is that at? Verse uh, 5, 
You know, Nicodemus trying to figure out, what do you do, get back in mama's belly and be born like that again? No, no. Jesus clarifies in verse 5, except you're born of water and of the Spirit. Now, some people take that and say, oh, we got to be baptized. That's not that's all he's talking about at all. He's talking about water birth. That's the physical. Except we be born physically and be born of the Spirit spiritually, he'll never go to heaven. That's what he's talking about. So there's the miracle of the womb, but there's this miracle of water. And the water is a reference to, to physical birth. So Nick, Jesus is trying to help Nicodemus clarify his thinking here. In other words, rebirth, spiritual birth, just like, just like physical birth only comes after delivery, spiritual birth only comes after what we call repentance. So you can put these two words together, rebirth, repentance. What is repentance? We don't hear a lot about that. Not anymore. It's in the Bible. It's very clear. Jesus said in Luke 13, except a man repent, you'll all likewise perish. That's what he said. So what's repentance? Repentance is you're walking this way and you have a change of heart or change of mind resulting in a change of heart, which means you turn and make a volitional commitment. You make a decision to go where? To go this way. Repentance is a 180 from the direction you were headed to the new direction. And in the, in the sense of the scripture, repentance is we're walking in sin. We don't hear that word much anymore. That's radical. And we're walking in our own way. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, Proverbs. The Bible says there's none that does good. The Bible says all have sinned, Romans 3. And so we're going this way, but guess what? Repentance, we realize that in our mind, it results in a decision we change. In our heart, we turn from our sin and we turn toward the only hope we have. What well, they sang about him? Jesus. You see, that's what he's talking about here. There's the miracle of the womb. There's the miracle of water. But there's also the miracle of the wind. I love verse 8. Look at verse 8. I'm trying to move quick. The wind blows. Man, we had some wind the other night in Paducah. They got this new weather term. I haven't heard it, but in the last couple of years, derecho, derecho, you heard that? It's one of these deals where there's just, it's not a, a low pressure system. It's not a, a necessarily a squall line, but it's just a whole mass of intensive, energetic weather that blows for a thousand miles or so across the country. We had one a couple of years ago in Paducah. You remember that? We had one the other night. Came, start out in Kansas City. They, the Weather Channel tracked this thing. It's weird. Tracked this thing from Kansas City, came across and did St. Louis, messed up the baseball game. And then it came across, go Cardinals. But anyway, and then it came across, whoops, I'm sorry, I'm in Cleveland Indian Cincinnati Red territory. Anyway, it came across, it came on down the valley and came into Paducah area, all West Tennessee, West Kentucky, went on down toward Nashville, went on down toward my children out North Alabama, and it, and it ended up in South Carolina. And they tracked it over a thousand miles of damage. It never let up in its intensity. You know, a tornado, and then it's gone. But this just kept... And so we had a lot of wind. You see what the wind... Can you see the wind? Don't say yes. Please don't say yes. Can you see the wind? Thank you. Thank you. But you can see the results of the wind. That's what Jesus is talking about. He said, man, the wind blows. You can't see it. But you know something's happened. I'm going to tell you something. If you've had Jesus to come into your life, if you have repented and turn to the Savior, from sin, turn to the Savior. You can't see him, but you know something's different. And that's what he's saying to Nicodemus. And there's, so there's this awesome nature 
of, of rebirth. You know, I don't, listen, I've been saved since I was 11 years old. That was last week. And I'm just telling you, I don't, I, I don't understand it all today. I want to understand it more. I want to find out what the Bible says more about what's happened in my life. I didn't know when I was 11 years old and asked Jesus to forgive me my sins and come into my life. I did not know that the Holy Spirit would come to live within me. God's Spirit would come to live within me. I, I, I maybe had heard that, but I didn't understand all that. I still don't understand it all, but I'm sure thankful for it. And that's what I'm talking about here. There's this miracle of rebirth. Well, write down the second thing real quick, and we'll move along. And that is the absolute necessity of regeneration. And that's what he's talking about in verse 3 and verse 7. Marvel not that I said unto you, you, what's that next word? You what? Must. Say that word out loud. Must. You what? You must. Somebody told me here some time back, said, the only thing you ever got to do is pay taxes and die. And for a lot of us in America, sometimes we pay our taxes, we want to die, you know. <laughs> but the fact is, there's something else that's got to be done. Jesus said, you must be born again. You must. If you want to go to heaven from Canal, Winchester, Ohio, there's only one way. You must. And that's, the, that's where we get this, I, the scripture teaches us about absolutes. There's the absolute necessity of regeneration. And so what's happening here in verse 3, you know, this religious guy comes to Jesus. He comes at night. He didn't want everybody finding out he was going. He was really trying to find truth. And by the way, he did. And so Jesus tells him, you must be born again. This necessity. It's an exclusive challenge. You what? You must. You must. Nicodemus religious. Nicodemus was rich. He could buy anything he wanted. He was respected in the community. He was a ruler of the Jews. The Bible says that. But guess what he was? He was not ready to go to heaven. And you and I know people like that. You probably live next door to somebody like that. You probably work beside somebody like that on the job or go to school with somebody like that. You probably have a relative. Yeah, even that relative. <laughs> Y'all got anybody like that? Yeah, we all do. And it may be a relative, but, but, and, but, they're, but they're not ready. It's an exclusive challenge Jesus makes to Nicodemus. It's the absolute necessity. You must be born. It's an exclusive challenge to make an exclusive commitment. You see what he says? Look at verse 15. We didn't read verse 15, but look at it. That whosoever believeth in him talking about Jesus, should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever, verse 15, whosoever believe it, there it is, it's an exclusive commitment. We, we in our culture today don't want to make commitments anymore. Leave me alone, I'll do what I want to do. That's selfish. That's, that's, that's sad. But it's fact. That's, people, we all know people like that. It may be that you're here, you're like that. But Jesus declares a faith commitment is necessary to go to heaven. Whoever believes in him, talking about Jesus, will not perish. That's hell. Die in your sins. Die. Go the way you're wanting to go, and you'll die and go out into eternity without God. Or believe in Jesus Christ. It's an exclusive challenge. We must, with an exclusive commitment, we must believe. Nicodemus heard the truth. 
And I believe if you'll read the rest of the New Testament and the rest of the book of John, you'll find out later when Jesus died, guess who helped Joseph of Arimathea put him in the tomb? Tell me the guy's name. Nicodemus. I believe Nicodemus became a follower of Christ because I believe at this point, somewhere along in beyond this conversation, Nicodemus turned from his sins and turned to the Savior. I believe that. I believe I'm going to see him in heaven one day. Nicodemus was given an exclusive challenge. You must be born again. That involved an exclusive commitment to believe Jesus, to believe the simple gospel. What is the gospel? The word gospel means good news. Uh, what's the good news? Jesus died, according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15. He was buried, and he what? He rose from the dead, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. We make it hard. The best news anybody on this planet could ever hear is that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose the third day. He conquered death, hell, and the grave so we could live forever. Amen. I mean, good night. What else do you need? I mean, you don't need money. Helps, but you don't need it. You don't need, you don't need life physically. I mean, it helps you to enjoy you know, life, but we need Jesus to live forever with him. It's this exclusive uh, challenge with an exclusive commitment to an exclusive Christ. For God so look, look at verse 16. Everybody know it? Let's read it. Read it in your Bible. Let's read it out loud. If you want to quote it, you can quote it. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Greatest verse in the Bible. Greatest verse in history. One verse, 25 words. Middle word. Word number 13. Son. You know what we need? We need the Son. S-O-N. We need Jesus. Because He tells us that if we believe in the Son, only begotten, only one of a kind, there's not been one like Him, there never will be another like Him. God sent His only begotten Son that whoever believes, there it is, exclusive commitment in Him will not perish but have what? How long is everlasting? Are you sure? The Bible says it's for what? Ecclesiastes, Old Testament, wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, he said, God has put eternity in our hearts. When we're born in this world, there is a, and we become aware of things as a child, there, there is a, an inbred nature within us, not just sin, but there's an in, another inbred quality in us, if you will, to want to know more. It's called eternity. You know, when you die, I've done a lot of funerals, too many. And when you die, they put the body in the ground or cremate or whatever you do. But the fact is, that person's still living somewhere. Amen. We're eternal creatures. We're inside this physical body. So we just need to understand, Jesus, he plays for keeps. Life is not a game. I love games. I love sports. But life is not a game. It's for keeps. And we need to realize eternal life we choose now, forever. So what have you chosen? The absolute necessity of regeneration. And then quickly, we didn't read it, but I want you to see it's in this chapter right here. It's toward the last. We read John 3.16 just now. We quoted it. Look at verse 18. Can you find it? John 3.18 says, He that believeth on him, talking about Jesus, is not condemned. That means if you get saved, if you ask Jesus to forgive your sins, when you turn from your sins and turn to Christ, you don't have to go to hell. 
And I tell our people at home, this has happened to me several times. I've had people tell me, I'll go to hell. I tell I can't. <laughs> I'm not being arrogant. It's just a fact because Jesus said, if you believe on him, you're not condemned. You don't have to go into eternity without God. If Jesus is in your heart, you're going to live forever with him. Somebody get happy. Amen. See, that's it. But here's the thing. Look at verse 18. He that believes is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Look on. And this is the condemnation that light has come in the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light neither comes to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds might be manifest that they are wrought or worked in God. What's going on here? We talked about the, uh, the awesome nature of rebirth and we've talked about the absolute necessity of regeneration. But these verses help us, and I'm going to close up with this, talk about the awful nightmare of rejection. The awful nightmare. Because see, who that believes not is condemned already. <clears throat> In these last verses, Nicodemus is taught by Jesus <clears throat> that we're condemned to hell. And he qualifies it. Look at it. Condemnation, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 18. Condemnation is qualified. He that believeth not. Jesus narrows it down. You're not going to go to hell because you have, you have an abortion. You're not going to go to hell because you drank whiskey on Friday night. You're not going to go to hell because you commit adultery. And we can name a bunch. There's 728 sins in the Bible, so pick one. You're not going to go to hell particularly for that sin. We're going to die and go out into eternity without God. Anybody who does not believe in Jesus Christ. That's it. And by the way, God does not send anybody to hell. You've heard that before. Well, I don't know why God sent Johnny. To God doesn't send anybody to hell. We choose ourselves. And you need to remember that. So the condemnation is qualified. And then look at verse 19. The condemnation is identified. This is the condemnation. What's the condemnation? People choose darkness rather than light. Why do they do that? Because when we're born in this world as a little bitty baby, we're born with hair color, skin color, eye color, teeth color. Some have been born with hair, but Dan Phelps was not. Um, you locals won't get that. But, you know, we're all born with these physical, but we're also born with a spiritual trait, and it's called sin. We're born that way. And Romans 5 says, by one man, sin came in the world. And death by sin. And so death is passed upon all men. All have sin. If I looked at you and said, you're, I don't know a lot about you, but you're a sinner. You know what you do? You'd probably get a stick and hit me in the head. Well, okay, that's fine. But you, you're a sinner not because you hit me in the head. You're a sinner because you're born that way. I didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't have anything to do with it. I saved the best. The rest of it is just fluff. But see, the thing is, we're sinners not because of what we do. We're sinners because of who we are. We've, got, we've come in the world as a baby. You said, preacher, babies are sinners. Yes. If you don't believe it, have you ever taught your child say no? None of us have. Let me pick up the scraps here so they won't throw it in the trash, although it probably would belong there. Our, our children are born in this world. They're born sinners. Just like that we inherit our skin color and eye color and all that from our parents, we also inherit a spiritual trait called sin. As is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3. Romans 5, 12, already quoted it. By one man, sin, Adam, sin came in the world. Well, preacher, if I'd have been Adam, I would have done it. Yeah, you would have. 
You didn't take one look at that apple or whatever it was, one look at her and one look and thought, I'm going with her. That's what you'd done. We'd all have been there. And Adam is not just a representative of the human race. Adam was the start of the human race. And we all, because of Adam's sin, we all sin. And we will die in our sins. So something had to happen. God had to interject an alien into this world. The alien's name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Condemnation is that we all seek darkness. Why do you think people act the way they do on Friday night or Saturday night or after dark? I, I've got three sisters. One of them worked in the emergency room in Memphis at Methodist Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee for years. She said, she said, you wouldn't believe some of the stuff we see on full moon. Full moon night said, it's, it's bad, but full moon night, it's ridiculous. People love darkness rather than light. And so Jesus said, this is the condemnation. And the condemnation is identified. And then the condemnation is personified in verse 20. We do the truth or we do not do the truth. That's the issue. You see, Nicodemus heard this story from Jesus, heard these words, and he was radically regenerated. In his day, that was a radical thing because they had a system, a religious system. Do you know that Jesus bucked the system? You know that Jesus went against the flow, right? Because he had to, and it was God's will that he do that. Because he knew that we needed, and that those people, and that we need to get out of a system, and we need to come to a Savior. We don't need a religion, we need a relationship. And that's what Christianity is all about. That's why the world cannot understand, and, they hurt, and they're afraid of Christianity. <clears throat> that's why the, the people possibly in this community, Caleb, could be afraid of your, your attempts to have a, a, a church family here. It's because some people don't understand, and they're afraid of, of Christianity. They want everybody to get along. But we can't do that. Jesus said, John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by or through me. You see these bumper stickers go around. I've seen them everywhere down in our area. Coexist. You seen those? And it's got all these symbols of different religions. Hogwash. There's one way. You say, preacher, you're being narrow. I, if I'm narrow, Jesus Christ is narrow. He didn't say, come to me through Allah. He didn't say, come to me through Confucius. He didn't say, come to heaven. You can go to heaven by helping little, little old ladies across the street or keeping the Ten Commandments or doing good to your neighbor or being in a social program or whatever. He said, if you want to go to heaven, you're going to have to come through or by me. I, he said, I didn't say, he didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am. That's what he said. I'm just telling what the book says. John 14, 6, look it up. And so what I'm saying to you today as we close is this. Nicodemus, one of the most religious people in his era, came to Jesus wanting to know about truth. And Jesus shared truth with him. And the truth is, you got to be radically regenerated. you got to be saved. And you know what? Later we see Nicodemus was. He heard the message. He trusted the master. He experienced the miracle. And he walked differently from then on. And so, you know, here comes this rich ruler. He gets regenerated. Here comes this guy who's a doer of evil, really. But he came, became a doer of truth. Here's this guy who is... In darkness, but guess what he came to? He came to the light. And he was lost, but guess what? He was found. He was saved. Just like old John Newton, the old slave trader. I once was lost, but now I'm what? Found. Was blind, but now what? I see. And that's what everybody in this town needs. That's what everybody in Paducah needs. Did you know this morning in Paducah, Kentucky, 78% of the people in our community didn't go to church anywhere.
78%. That's three out of four. Didn't go to church. I'm talking about Catholic, Lutheran, whatever. Didn't go anywhere. They should have come to Bellevue. I wasn't there this morning. I'm here, but I just know how it is. I wonder if it's like that here. Possibly. Possibly. So what we've got to do is we've got to decide, number one, have we trusted God's way and let it radically change our lives? And then if we've been radically regenerated, if we've been saved by the grace of God, if Jesus has forgiven us of our sins, isn't that worth sharing with somebody else so they can be saved? It is. It is. That's why we're here. We're not a bunch of miracle workers. We're just sinners, but we've been saved by grace. Grace of God. The grace of God that brings salvation to all men has appeared to you this morning. Through his word, through worship, and now it's time for you to say, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Thank you for listening to the Discovery City Church podcast. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to help us continue to help others, you can give online at discoverycitychurch.com slash give.